You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN Energy's daily blog, the oil and gas industry's go-to source for insight. Every day, we cover commodity fundamentals, industry changes, and developing trends across energy markets. And now, we're making it easier than ever to enjoy our blogs. Whether it's on your drive into work, while you're at the office, or at home walking the dog, settle in, turn the volume up, and enjoy. Thursday, May 27, 2021. Only the strong survive. How COVID-19 reshaped the future of North American LNG projects. Published by Lindsay Schneider. Over the past year, we have witnessed a sort of slow-motion meltdown among the second wave of North American LNG export projects. Appetite for new LNG expansions was already waning due to oversupply even before the pandemic affected demand, but COVID-19 brought project developments to a standstill. Offtake agreements have expired, final investment decisions or FIDs delayed, projects have lost funding or been officially put on hold or even cancelled. Just one project, Sempre's ECA LNG in Mexico, was able to reach an FID last year, and with the pandemic still raging, for a while it looked as if that would be the last project in North America to take FID in the foreseeable future. It's abundantly clear that many more of the remaining proposed projects will be postponed indefinitely, and probably never be built, at all. However, the news isn't all bad. With the worst of COVID-19's impacts on international gas demand appearing to be over and the ongoing extended run of high global gas prices, all eyes are back on the second-wave projects that are in various stages of pre-FID development. The pandemic may have forced a culling of the proposed projects, but those near the top now have a clearer path ahead. In fact, several projects could realistically achieve FID in the next few years. Today, we begin a short series providing an update on the second-wave projects. As we've discussed extensively in the LNG Voyager report and recent blogs, 2021 is shaping up to be a stellar year for U.S. LNG. Prolonged high global gas prices and strong margins for U.S. cargoes are creating stable demand for the existing terminals, allowing them to operate at fully contracted capacity whenever operationally possible. Some U.S. facilities are potentially even producing additional cargoes for the spot market. As a result, outside of short-term maintenance periods, Domestic feed gas demand is expected to remain relatively steady at around 11 BCF per day, the amount needed for full utilization at the terminals, and is poised to head even higher later this year as Calcasieu Pass and Sabine Pass Train 6 come online, see such Great Heights Part 2 for more on the commissioning and timing of those projects. The fundamentals remain incredibly bullish. High prices are likely to persist into at least this winter. Apart from being great for existing U.S. terminals, The wild swing of the market from the uncertainty and sense of doom last summer to sustained high prices now has shown that perhaps the global market was not as oversupplied as previously thought. This is the longest and strongest bull run the global gas market has seen since 2018, and at that point, only 25.25 million tons per annum of LNG export capacity was online in the U.S., compared with 75 million tons per annum now. The past year has shown how quickly the market can swing from being oversupplied to being undersupplied, and that is bringing renewed interest in offtake agreements. Before we dive into the projects that are finding support in this bullish environment, let's quickly recap those that have fallen behind or otherwise been sidelined over the past year. In our LNG Voyager quarterly supplement, we track the 10 LNG terminals that have already taken FID and over 25 different pre-FID projects. We categorize them into the following groups, operational, those that have already reached FID and are under construction, those that are pre-FID but probable for reaching FID in the next year, and ones that are possible but not likely to be green-lighted in the next year. Within the possible bucket, we further group them into Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3, 
based on the likelihood that they will achieve FID in the next one to three years. While we never expected all two dozen or so projects to go ahead, they were all actively working toward an FID and making headlines as they secured regulatory permits and financing or commercial commitments. However, many have since simply faded from the news. Many of them, particularly those in the Tier 3 group, have not provided project status updates or had any mention in the press in the past year. In this case, no news is almost certainly not good news, and it's increasingly evident that most of the Tier 3 projects will probably never be built. That said, only one high-profile project has been officially cancelled, and of LNG. The Exelon back project was cancelled in March 2021, with changes in the global LNG market cited as the reason. The project had its regulatory approvals voided as part of the cancellation, you can't get more definitive than that. The next project that could be facing an official cancellation is Kitimat LNG in Canada. This project was being developed as a joint venture between Chevron and Woodside Petroleum. Chevron announced its intention to sell its half of the project back in 2019, but never found a buyer and officially stopped all funding related to the project in March. Then, just last week, Woodside announced that it would divest its stake in the project as well, leaving it without any developers. One other project, Jordan Cove, was officially placed on hold in late April, with its developers citing regulatory hurdles. Due to its location in Oregon, it has long faced opposition from regulators, and, despite having all federal approvals, it has struggled to make headway in securing state-level approvals. While the global market downturn last year and COVID were not specifically the reasons given for this project being put on hold, they certainly didn't help. The project will likely never be revived, and developer Pemina didn't even mention the terminal on its last quarterly earnings call. While the fate of these projects paints a grim picture for North American LNG development, things are actually better than they appear. With projects at the bottom of the pile being cancelled or forgotten, the pool of prospective off-takers can coalesce around a few key projects, which, in turn, makes it more likely that they will be able to sign commercial agreements and secure enough funding to reach FID. In the May 2021 LNG Voyager Quarterly, we identified two projects as probable and both have the potential to achieve FID this year, Wood Fiber LNG and Cameron Phase 2, which we will get to in more detail shortly. In addition, there are four projects in Tier 1 and two projects in Tier 2, all of which are being actively pursued by their developers, making progress towards FID, or seeing positive headlines in the news. All of the Tier 1 and 2 projects need to secure additional commercial support before achieving FID and are unlikely to garner enough support this year, but still look promising in the 1-3 to three year horizon. We will dive more deeply into those six projects in Part 2 of this series, Wood Fiber is a single-train 2.1 million tons per annum terminal located in British Columbia. The project signed a non-binding Heads of Agreement, or HOA, with China National Offshore Oil Corporation, or CNOOC, for 0.75 million tons per annum in 2018 and then a binding Sales and Purchase, or SBA, agreement with BP for 0.75 million tons per annum in 2019. At that point, it looked like the project would likely convert the HOA into an SPA and reach FID soon, but that never materialized. Woodfiber dragged its heels on the project and then COVID hit. It had to request an extension of its environmental permits because of the pandemic and the project seemed to be at somewhat of a standstill. However, the project roared back to life last month with the announcement of a second deal with BP for an additional 0.75 million tons per annum, taking BP's total secured volume from the terminal to 1.5 million tons per annum. Woodfiber said it was targeting FID in the third quarter of this year, which is achievable. 
the project has all environmental permits and more than 70% of its offtake capacity secured under long-term SPAs and is the most likely to be the next LNG project in North America to reach FID. The second project with the potential to achieve FID in the near term is Cameron Phase 2, a two-train, 8 million tons per annum expansion of Sempers Cameron LNG Terminal in Louisiana. Now that ECA LNG, which is also a Semper project, has reached FID, the company is prioritizing its Cameron expansion project. The expansion has got all regulatory approvals, and while it doesn't have any binding SBAs, it has a non-binding Memorandum of Understanding, or MOU, with Total Mitsui and Mitsubishi, the same offtakers as the existing terminal, for the full capacity of the project. Given the previous relationship between the offtakers and Cameron LNG, this puts the project in a strong position. We expect that the project's FID will likely come around the same time that these MOUs are converted to SPAs. Sempra is still targeting FID this year. Both of these projects have their offtaker commitments mostly set at this point and could realistically reach FID in the next six months. Wood fiber has just 0.6 million tons per annum left in available capacity and could take FID without that small amount locked up, while Cameron has no capacity left to sell and just needs to convert its MOUs to official SPAs. That leaves the six tier 1 and 2 projects that we believe are also currently frontrunners for reaching FID. These still have to compete with each other and with projects being developed in other countries as well. But that is a much smaller pool compared to the pre-pandemic period. With committed developers and a high global gas price environment, we're likely to see more activity on the commercial front, albeit likely still with shorter terms than the 20-year commitments we saw among the first wave projects. We discuss some of the financial reasons for this and don't fear the reaper. In fact, just this week, Tellurian announced that it closed a 3 million tons per annum, 10-year SPA with Swiss trading firm, Benvor. But the longer global LNG prices stay high out on the futures curve, the more attractive long-term offtake agreements look. In part 2, we will take a more detailed look at the 6-tier 1 and 2 projects and discuss some of the underlying trends LNG developers are using to attract offtakers. While we don't know exactly how many North American projects will eventually get the green light or when the next FID will come, it's clear that we have not seen the last of the second wave of North American LNG developments. Only the Strong Survive was written by Jerry Butler, Kenny Gamble, and Leon Huff. It was the third song on Butler's 11th studio album, The Iceman Cometh. It was released as a single in March 1969 and went to number one on the Hot R&B Singles Chart and number four on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles Chart. It was the most successful single of Butler's career, and it has been certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America. Artists such as Elvis Presley, Skeeter Davis, Billy Paul, and the Tramps have covered the song. Personnel on the record were, Jerry Butler, on lead vocals, Curtis Mayfield, on lead guitar, Norman Harris, Bobby Eli, on guitar, Ronnie Baker, on bass, Earl Young, on drums, Leon Huff, on piano, and Vince Montana, on vibes. The Iceman Cometh was recorded between September 1967 and September 1968 at Bell Sound Studio in New York City and Cameo Parkway Studios and Sigma Sound Studio in Philadelphia. Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff produced the record. Released in November 1968, it went to number 2 on the R&B album chart and number 29 on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. Three singles were released from the album. Jerry Butler is an American soul singer, songwriter, record producer, musician, and retired politician. He was the original lead vocalist for The Impressions and was inducted with the R&B group into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1991. Since leaving the group in 1960 to pursue the career of a solo artist, Butler has had over 50 charting Billboard hits. He was inducted into the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame in 2015. 
From 1985 to 2018, he served as a commissioner for Cook County, Illinois. He has released 34 studio albums and 75 singles as a solo artist. Butler, 81, is now retired and lives in Chicago. This has been the RBN Energy Blogcast. Thanks for listening.